when I found out on Wednesday afternoon that I would be preaching today, I had a sermon prepared for the guys at the retreat this weekend. Um, they, they didn't get here because I'm here with y'all. But God laid something different on my heart, and I want to share it with you. We're going to praise God today. Um, regardless of anything else that is going on, we're going to praise God today. From 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That was the verse that came. And today is the Word of God for us. I started asking God, okay, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with this because this could go in any direction. <laughs> and Spirit just said, be patient. I began reading about the context of 1 Peter. Since it's a book that I haven't done a lot with, you can be a pastor and still be getting to know your Bible, and it be new to you every single day. And as I began to read about it, I began to, to read about the circumstances going on in Rome during this time, around the time that we believe that this would have been written. There had been a great fire. The Emperor Nero had been believed to be the cause of this fire. And he started doing good things in the community to try to allay these, these rumors, and nothing would squelch it. And so he began to point the finger at the Christians society. Now the Christians at that point had been a group that had been associated with the Jewish sect and had been lumped together with them, but at this point they became separated in the eyes of those around them and, and, and people began to target them. Christianity became no, no. And the Christians began to become under persecution. This was the time period that led up to Paul's beheading, to Peter's crucifixion upside being crucified upside down. This was a time when things like death and ridicule, persecution, attack from the enemy were just abundant. And Peter wrote. This letter, 1 Peter, which we read just the one verse today, to churches that it would be circulated throughout Rome so that they would know that God is good and that God is there no matter what. God's not leaving you. Now their Bible would have been one of scriptures from the Old, what we call the Old Testament. And... I began to think about what stories they might have clung to in having this letter. And I began to think about three people, and, and you may or may not know them by the names that I'm going to share with you. Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Anybody know who they are? Who are they? There you go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was in a musical about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when I was in third grade, and I can still sing the songs from that, but I didn't know these were their Hebrew names until I went back and read the story again. 
and I began to read about how they were prepared, how they were set apart. Nebuchadnezzar was king at the time, and he was looking for persons to serve the kingdom. And he began, he, they identified people, and Daniel and these three men were set aside along with others. And the king ordered that they have a, a specific banquet of food and wine brought to them. And when it was brought to them, they said, no, that's not what we're supposed to do to maintain a holy presence and, and to maintain our, the temple that God has given us. And, and the servant who went to them kind of argued with him. He said, but you don't understand. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in trouble here. If you, if you don't thrive with me just bringing you vegetables and the things that you're asking for, you know, it's going to show. And then the king's going to have my head. And they said, trust us. Our God's going to take care of us. Trust us. And so they ate the vegetables, they ate the good things that, that he brought them. And, and after a couple of weeks, these four men looked healthier and better and, and, and much more together and, and everything than the ones who were receiving the diet of the king. So the servant said, okay. Well, these four men were chosen to be among those who would serve the king. And it wasn't long before the king had a dream. And he called for someone to interpret the dream. And he said, but he called on, on the, the people in his kingdom, the advisors that he had that um, typically he, he went to. You know, you have your circle. This was his circle. And he called them and he says, but because I want to know that you're able to interpret the dream, you're going to have to tell me what the dream is. They couldn't tell him what the dream was. And so he, he had them killed. And he said, who here can tell me what the dream is? And one of the servants, remembering these four men, went to Daniel and he said, the king's had a dream. He needs to know what this dream is about. And, and this is what he's saying. And Daniel and these three men began to pray to God for discernment, for wisdom, for insight, for the ability to know the unknown that only God can know. You ever feel like there's that in your life and you just, you really need to know an answer? It's not coming. Sometimes you're feeling things and, and you're like, God, I just, I need to know you're there. So I need for somebody to come up and say something to me that lets me know, you know what I'm going through. already happened to me today. It's overwhelming when God does that. We forget how God uses the people around us. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had prayed and Daniel was able to go to the king and, and tell him of the dream that he had. And it's a lengthy dream about the kingdom and the power and what would last and what wouldn't. And he unfolded this for the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said, surely your God is the God of gods. He is the king of kings. 
And we are going to worship Him and praise Him and give Him glory. It's not long before Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to build a, a great statue for everyone to worship to honor his God. Not the God of gods who allowed his dream to be interpreted and told, but his God, little G, that he had been praying to. And he decided that everybody in the kingdom was going to come and bow down at the slightest note of a flute or a lyre or a harp, anything musical, they were to bow down and worship this statue that he considered a god. So the music sounds and everybody but these four men drop on their knees and worship and as kingdoms go, somebody came to Nebuchadnezzar and said, you know what, I know these four guys over here and they're not falling down and they're not worshiping you like they said. What are you going to do about it? Well, the curse had been that whoever didn't fall down and, and worship that statue would be thrown into the fire. I don't know about y'all, I don't want to be burned. It's not, not a good thing. But these men, when they were approached, they said, We understand your command. We understand what you said. But we cannot fall down and worship that idol that you built. Our God is the only one that we can fall down and worship. And it doesn't matter if you throw us into the fire because we're still, we're going to be okay. And even if we're not, we know that we've done the right thing because God is God. And He is the one true God. Well, you know what happens next. He gets threatened. These three guys get, it, it makes the king so mad that these three guys not only get thrown into the fire, but they're tied up together so they can't do anything to escape when they get in there. They're bound and they are thrown into a fire that is made seven times hotter than it was actually intended to be for the carrying out of his sentence. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar says, wait just a minute. He said, didn't you put three guys in there? And it consumed the guards that put him in there. That's how hot the fire was. And, and the guards said, yes, they put three men in there. They were bound. And he said, there are four men in there. They're dancing. And he called them out. Out comes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What I believe was an angel. And they come out and their clothing is not even singed. Not slightly. They're still in robes that are untouched by the fire around them. Nebuchadnezzar had amazing views of what God could do. And he praised God, but it still took him a long time to get to a point where he truly surrendered himself to God. 
But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego presented to him four examples of how much we can trust God and what the power of God can do. Just by trusting Him, by praying to Him, by seeking and just opening your life to allow Him to come in. And, and they all knew that, that no matter what happened, God was God and God is God and always will be. And it doesn't matter what kind of pressure you're under or situation you're in. God loves you no matter what. Probably one of the most obvious examples in Scripture of this that, that we can relate to is when Paul and Silas were jailed. They had delivered. I'm switching to New Testament. I see Nita's face over here going like, wait a minute, what? I'm switching to New Testament. But Paul and Silas were jailed, and my, my niece Emily has gone through a great deal. She's, she's had a lot of ups and downs in her young life. Um, at 21, she's the mom of two children, and she's an amazing mother, but she's had a long road to get there. And one of the things I remember about her when she was little was she built a diorama of, of Paul and Silas in prison, and she did this on a Saturday afternoon when she was born. So this story had stuck in her head. Peter would have known about this story. How, despite the persecution they were undergoing in Rome, how despite all the things that were happening, they were to continue to go about their business praising God. Paul and Silas had been jailed after they had freed a young lady of, of spirits that that were allowing for corruption, that were allowing for um, for, for things that, that she shouldn't have to go through. There were people taking advantage of her. There were, there were different things going on. And they healed her in the name of Christ. Now, let me say that. Christ healed her. He used them. The folks who were using this young girl didn't like it. And they had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. And what did Paul and Silas do? Start singing. They're not just singing, woe is me, and this is a horrible day, and something that Alexander from Alexander in the No Good, Very Bad, Horrible, what is it, day, <laughs> would sing. They sing hymns. They begin to praise God. And the next thing you know, the earth is quaking. And the cell is opened, and they can walk away. Now the jailer is sitting there, and he immediately comes to, and he's like, wait just a minute, something's happened here. We're, I'm going to be in so much trouble because these guys are gone. And the guys are like, oh, we're up here. Can we teach you a song? <laughs> can we help you praise? The jailer said, I want you to start going and telling people about your God. Because I've just seen what it can do. We see things all around us every single day that remind us of what God can do. I heard a friend um, this weekend. We were about to sing Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. 
and my friend started to break down and said, I know I'm supposed to lead singing here, but what you guys don't understand is the only time I've heard this is at a funeral. But what you don't know is God's grace is the only thing that can set me free. Because I've been through some stuff. And she, she said, I'm overwhelmed by this song, so you're going to have to help me sing. So we helped her sing. You could feel the Spirit just pouring down. There's, there's a great song that says, Word of God speak, would you pour down my grain, open my eyes to see your majesty. Every single one of us brings something into this space that is difficult, that feels unbearable, that is overwhelming, that if it were an ocean, it would drown us. But the love of God is greater than that. And the power of God is greater than that. I think y'all need to be better at being on that. The power of God is greater than that. Thank you. You know, Peter had these examples. Not just, I've given you old and new testament. There's so many more that could go on. Peter had these examples of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He had the examples of Paul and Silas, other apostles. Persons who had seen the living Christ both before and after the crucifixion because he's still alive. Amen? We see examples around us. And I can tell you that it's amazing. I've watched my mom deal with dementia. I've, it's been particularly cruel as her body has begun to be less and less mobile due to um, some familial tremors that she experiences. And you have to know that my mother is a retired professor and administrator and she's feisty and she's stubborn and I love her for that. She's an amazing woman. And even as her dementia has slowly began to rob the last things that still make her who she is, like her memory, her ability to speak, she'll tell you God is good all the time. What she doesn't need to know is that as her children watching her decline, we need to know. We don't want to see her suffer. She doesn't want to suffer. She doesn't want to see us suffer. You don't, you don't want to see people around you suffering. You don't want to see people around you drowning in something that's so overwhelming that you don't think you're going to make it. But it happens. And that's the hard of reality. I love this promise. First Peter reminds us that Christ, I am, is our friend, 
Savior, the Son of God, sender of the Holy Spirit, and the one who bears our burdens. And he deserves our praise each and every day, each and every moment of our life. No matter where you are in life, Holy Spirit wants to shower you and rain down on you and let you know that you matter, you are loved, you are important, and He has got your back. He's got your back. Christ to be our hope, our salvation, our example, our Lord. We are so grateful for all that you do for us, for all that you are, for the ways in which that you have come into our lives and the lives of others around us, that we might know you personally. That we might see your grace in action in our life. And we are so grateful for you sending your son. We have before us this day on this table. Grain and grape. And we come before you asking you to pour your spirit out on them. Pour your spirit out on them so that we would we would receive your grace this day. We're a broken people. We haven't we haven't been the people you've called us to be. Each and every one of us has some part of our life where where you're the only one that can fix it. The only one who can fill that void or heal a hurt. Grant us hope. And so we come to your table as people who are loved by you, as people who are chosen by you. We come as a, a royal priesthood, as sons and daughters of the King, because we belong to you, O Lord. You have made a place at your table for us. So we come celebrating the fact that your son broke the bread and raised the cup and he gave thanks to you for both. And he reminded us that this is a new covenant. He would give himself for us, that 